number 183 of we talk comics this is the ccee 2017 recap calgary comic and entertainment expo expo is again in the books uh, one of the biggest expos in north america for comics and entertainment right here in our uh, little hometown of a little more than a million people i suppose and we're so fortunate to have it so we uh, uh get down there we get some good access and and a lot of fun and we have a few stories and a few interviews i am the crown prince of charisma mo joined once again by the chief defender of the faith and he's 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 uh mr brett podcast he's 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 the king of the casters yeah i you know i i got excited when you said um when you said, you know, the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Eskimo, I thought that that's... Is that what I said? <laughs> I, I was thinking, is that like Quinn from G.I. Joe? <laughs> I don't think that's what I said, but it could be. I am drunk. After all, I'm recording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, You well, you've got to take over from Chris. You've got to kind of give give that ec- little bit extra. So that's right. The uh, man with no nickname, Chris Bestie, is not here this week. But we have... We have now, I didn't get... I. I I'm such an amateur. I didn't actually ask how to pronounce your name ahead of time uh, for our guest here, uh, but I believe it's Colin Kethback. Colin, how are you doing? Happy, happy as heck to be here. Well. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's the geek minimalist making his return to the show. Former cop reporter K. Keith, how are you? I'm I'm happy to be back. It was. Uh... It was a great weekend. I'm looking forward to telling some stories because it was such a fast weekend that uh, we didn't always have time to stop and compare notes about our our various misadventures. Uh, well, you know, uh, I, I blame Brett. Sure, that's yeah. fair. I, I blame Brett. Anyways, Keith, uh, in case people haven't been listening over the last six months in there, those few people, tell everybody who you are and why you're awesome. Uh, well, I, I hung out on this podcast for, for about five years. Uh, and I uh, helped interview 150 different comic creators. Uh, since uh, since t- taking off on my own path, uh, I have uh, launched a blog uh, called ilikehelping.com, Minimalism in a Nerdy World. And uh, I talk about the intersection of minimalism, which is all about reducing to the base um, stuff that you need and uh, comic and pop culture fandom, which seems to be about getting the most things with a logo on it as you possibly can. Um, so I'm trying to find the intersection of those two things. And also, I uh, I do the odd panel and I read some comic books. You, I, I've heard that about you. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, it's in the books. What do we have to say, Brett? What do you think of the expo? Well, I, I enjoyed this expo um, probably more than I have uh, the last few overall. Um, certainly more than last year. Last year wasn't a very good one. I was moving, so so I was barely there. 
But um, I think in the, in this case, the best part about it was the fact that we just kind of let ourselves go. It was it didn't matter what we did. We were just gonna we were talk to the gonna talk to the people we talked to. We were gonna take the interviews that we were granted. We were just gonna you know, wander around and just enjoy everything and not put any real pressure on ourselves to do anything specific except for our panels, of course. And how about you, Keith? This is the first time you're down there just uh, only as as a, uh, and it's kind of weird, but yeah. you're only down there as a panelist. Yeah, it was, it was, it was an interesting experience. I've actually, I haven't gone to a convention at all since 2012 that I when I went to San Diego in 2012 I didn't go as media um every other show when I go to at least two a year uh, I've been media so this is the first time I wasn't hustling interviews um and didn't really have a whole lot of uh things that I needed to get done um also you know going the minimalist path I wasn't buying anything either um so I didn't spend a whole lot of time going through the the bins and the aisles uh, so it was it was a really relaxed convention for me and I feel like I actually did more uh, and saw more stuff, talked to more people, even though I was there less time and um, and uh, wasn't doing the media interviews. So, what was your highlight, Keith? Uh, I think I, I think going in, uh, I expected it, and and it actually turned out even better. Was uh, Jim Shooter? Um, Jim Shooter was uh, probably the biggest name um, comic guest they had after you know that. Uh, local kid that does uh, the Spawn comic. Um, and maybe a man who created most of the characters <laughs> in the Marvel Universe. I, I th- it kind of feels like they've cloned Stan and he just shows up at uh, every convention now. Um, <laughs> I mean, after they announced two years ago that that was the last time he was ever going to be here, I almost I basically forgot that he was even, that Stanley <laughs> was even at this convention. Um it, I, I raced around to get my photo with him a couple of years ago at a, di- at a different show because it was sold out in Calgary because it was the last time he was ever going to be here, and uh, and then he came back and like that's it's kind of like when you you know like when you say goodbye to someone and then you you start walking in the same direction because you're parked near near each other, you're like uh, oh it's Stan again, um, but I mean it's Jim Shooter, uh, you know was editor in chief at Marvel and the the brains behind. My all-time favorite failed universe, uh, the new universe. Um, and uh, so talking to him about the new universe would be my highlight of the weekend. All right, we'll get that story in a bit because I know yeah. that uh, getting this, getting him to talk about it was, wasn't was <laughs> as easy as you had anticipated because our experience had led you to believe that all you had to do was show up and say, <laughs> new universe. <well." laughs> yeah. And it was a little more complicated than that. But yeah, I mean, that. you know. I think the interesting thing about the expo this year is when I look at the media guests in the past, they had really huge media guests the last several years. And uh, this year, arguably, I'd say that the biggest guests were Stan Lee and Todd McFarlane, too. Uh, you know, I, I mean, Kevin Smith was there, but he was only there to do a, a live recording of his podcast. He wasn't there for interviews or anything. You know, I mean, arguably, you could argue the biggest guests were actually two comic book guys at the whole thing. What do you think, Brett? I mean, I think I do think that's fair to a certain degree. I mean, obviously, like you had, you had Jeremy Renner, who's a big name. You had John Cusack, and and you had, um, you know, Peter Capaldi and and uh, Kenny and Spenny, 
Of course. Uh, so you, you've got you've got some big names, but. Uh, <laughs> Those are some giant names. <laughs> well, Jeremy Renner is big, but the reason I guess I forgot about him is because he literally he, he had a curtain um, where people would get in line for their autograph. Instead of sitting at the table, you had to go in behind. You had a little one-on-one time, I guess, it, but you had to go in behind. Like you didn't physically; nobody saw him because he was actually not out front. In the you know, if you got in your queue and did your autographs or anything, he was actually behind the curtain standing. And uh, that was, I guess, a little strange. And John Cusack, who was there, and uh, unfortunately, uh, most people didn't necessarily have the best interactions with him. That's for sure. Wow. I'm, I'm so glad I didn't pay for that photo op. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it when I saw those photos. Yeah, he, he like, had his baseball cap on and hats. And I swear to God, it could have, it could have been John Cusack and it could have been you, Keith. Like, yeah, there's almost I, no I, way to tell the difference. I thought that. I'll just, I'll just Photoshop myself into a, a photo with me and – Essentially the same experience. Like, yeah, I was. I couldn't believe when I saw the photos of that. And uh, from what I heard from people working at the staff and stuff, it wasn't the only thing that he did that was kind of frustrating for people. I guess he didn't really want to be there, and you know, I guess not everybody's going to. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there were some big names, but uh, McFarlane and, and Stanley were huge. And uh, Brett, you had. We will get to it. I think it's probably our main event, but we'll say it right now. We talk about two of the biggest names: uh, Kenny versus Benny. Yep, and, <laughs> right. and well, in Canada, it's big. Do those, do those count as one name or two names? That's one name. That's one name. It's a TV show. Yeah, it's just it's one a cult name. following. But yeah, uh, a Canadian TV show. Uh, and you, you got an interview of that or Brett? And, yes. Yeah, with them and 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 Todd McFarlane, the media scrum. You were part of the media scrum, and you have the audio from that, which we'll put on the end of the show. And people definitely want to stick around for that because McFarlane was. Uh, he was pretty awesome. What is he, Brett? He was great. Like Todd McFarlane is just one of those guys who who he's. It's almost a cult of personality thing. He's just he's really outgoing and he's really personable and he's just he's a you know he's a mover. He's a hand talker. He's you can just listen to him. Even even if he's saying something incredibly stupid, you still want to listen to what he says. So. You did, uh, Keith. You didn't have any interaction with McFarland, did you? No, I never even saw him. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't. No, it's unfortunate. The, uh, I know that time. it was it like was, a four-hour. Yeah, it was, once I, once I heard that the wait was that long, I, I had thought about it, and uh, you know, if it was anything, you know, a pro, uh, closer to the hour mark, then then uh, I might have. But the the best person I heard only waited two and a half hours in line. Most wow. people waited four hours. Um, he wasn't charging for anything for his autograph like most people who sign anything. And, uh, you know, I mean, whereas they're, they're charging $100, like you say, for John Cusick, he had a thing where you go up to him and he would say, you know, if you just happen to say one, two, three, and on three, I happen to lift my head and your your phone happened to be out and you happen <laughs> to take a picture and we're in it together, I think that'd be all right. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's not necessarily what uh, expos want to hear because they want to make money off their autographs and, and the uh, photos themselves. But that's Todd McFarlane. I think that's one of the cool things about him. And so, yeah, we know somebody who got a great, great picture with him like that. Uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll even ask him if we can use that as our show picture. Uh, Colin, uh, somebody we work with, got a great picture with him. The, a, a guy actually named Colin. Not just a guy <laughs> that I make a joke that is named Colin. <laughs> Uh, but a guy actually named Colin. How about the actual, the rest of the event, uh, Brett? Anything uh, kind of like uh, the floor itself, the vendors, the artists, the artists there? Uh, 
Uh, Steve Lieber, I think, was awesome. We we're really happy to talk to him and learn a little bit about Whiteout. Well, the thing the thing was, yeah, like um, because of the volume of panels that that I did. I mean, four in total for me, and I know Keith, you had a bunch, but going around and and you know introducing myself to all these people was just was just great. I mean, it's such a great icebreaker to do, to be doing the panels, but. Overall, because the panel itself was an art panel, and it had Tom Rainey, Tom Coker, and Steve Lieber. And Steve was the first guy that I introduced myself to, and he was just awesome. He was so genuine, so nice. And yeah, I mean, you know, once you get started talking, it's like, oh yeah, let's talk about Greg Rucka, let's talk about Whiteout, let's talk about uh, Lazarus and the work that he's doing on that. So, I mean, there was just so much conversation and and he was definitely one of those guys that that left an impression those were i'll, I'll say those were excellently run panels too brett um, well thank you i uh it was also one of the other things that i could do this show because i wasn't doing all the other running around was i actually got to sit in a room and listen to panels and just like take them in um and uh so I made a I made a point of going to the ones that uh, that you would run and uh, really really interesting comic talk coming out of the the panels of this show. Yeah, well, go ahead, Brent. Go ahead. I mean, you know, the panels were a lot of fun this time out. I found, you know, the, there's always there's always those cases because I mean, both Mo and I went to the Jim Shooter panels, and unfortunately, they tended to intersect with your with a couple of your <laughs> panels, but but we snuck in at the end, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, the thing that pained me, and, and this is an interesting little story, uh, is the very first Jim Shooter panel we had, it was the moderator, and she was like, oh, well, I had to call my comic book, local comic book shop to find out about who this Jim Shooter guy was. Turns out he's kind of a big deal. Ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, and then, but even laughter. better, then she goes, yep, a big deal at Marvel. Where I <laughs> and then and then she proceeds to basically read his Wikipedia page for yeah, us, yeah. and then so then this this absolutely killed me because it was the same woman the next day doing his his script writing panel, <laughs> and she starts the introduction and she's like, well, if none of you know who Jim Shooter is, you know, and boo to you if you don't. And I'm like, you didn't know he was like three days ago. You know what? When we were waiting in line, and and this is, we went up to Jim Shooter. We were curious to see what kind of, um, you know, what kind of traffic he would have at his table. And it was generally just steady, you know, but not a big, you know, I mean, he didn't have a big lineup. He'd usually have four or five people kind of hanging around. And That's because would talk everybody to him. was scared to stay. I think they were scared. Maybe, the, I think he is. Well, he's obviously intimidating. I mean, he's he's Jim Shooter, and he's like six foot six, and, you know, he's, like, you know, just, you know, he's just, he's Jim Shooter, right? He is, he is, and he has that reputation and everything. But, I mean, we go up to him, and, and I was just, like, I wasn't even talking to him. Like, other people were talking to him, and I was just, like, he had a book of memorabilia, three books, actually, of memorabilia and, and different things. And I was just opening it up and flipping through it and, 
I was shaking and getting, you know, goosebumps because, you know, personalized letter from Will Will Eisner and Kurt Swan and Stan Lee and and these just and then, you know, his original scripts and notes from Julius Schwartz and like all this incredible memorabilia that should be in a museum that I'm just like, what a freak, like 14, 13 years old when he starts, you know, and he's he starts writing comics and I'm just like. I don't even care if I talk to him at this point. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, maybe he's not that. I mean, he's talking to these people, but I don't know if he's going to be good to talk to you or what. And I'm like, but just looking at this, like just being this close to history for something that means this much to me, like comics, I was just, I was just amazed. And it was so cool. And then he, the other guys kind of, you know, and one guy comes up and he goes, uh, he goes, uh, you know, I didn't know who you are. So I, I look, you worked for Marvel or something like that. You were working there for a while. Like I looked you up on Wiki, on, on on Google. I Googled your name. So I think I, I saw that, that you worked. At, and he's like, yeah, I was editor-in-chief of Marvel from 1979 until 1987 or whatever it is. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's what I saw. And I'm... And I, I looked at the guy, and the guy goes, what? I didn't know. And I looked at him and go, well, I did. Like, I wanted to just hit him. Like, how dare you even talk to him when I could <laughs> be sitting here talking to him, somebody who actually knows stuff that I want to ask him. And you're – but you know what? The truth is, once this guy went away, he, he, started go, he started opening up. Like, he started, he started opening up the book and explaining to us not only why they – like, you know, that it's like Will Eisner's letter, but how come Will Eisner sent it to him? And 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 you know his script here and what this script meant and and this character here and how this property is like the first thing that done that he did this with and this is his first book and this is how the and just starts basically giving us flipping through the book for us and giving us an oral history for like forty minutes of his stuff at which point I missed whatever we were supposed to do which was a panel or something <laughs> like that but I didn't care like and and at that point I'm like like you hear the stuff but if you're at a show with Jim Shooter. You definitely want to go up because uh, I don't know how he – I mean you hear enough stuff. But I can, all I can say is for me, all, that's all I can judge it on. He treated us super well and, and gave us great stories. Brett, and then we're going to Keith's and then, uh, and then we'll uh, come back to maybe one of our first interviews here. Well, because I just think with Shooter there, the thing is – and I think Keith will back this up – is that – because when I brought my stuff up to get signed, there was no real talking. It was just kind of like, hey, thank you. Thank you very much. But once you, if you stick around long enough and you just kind of, you know, wait him out, then he'll eventually start talking. And once he starts talking, then he won't stop. Because there were several points during the, the weekend where I would, you know, pop on over and it was just like, oh, oh, Jim's talking. He's... Who knows? And then you'd walk by 15 minutes later, and he's still talking to the same people. <laughs> and and it was crazy like that. Like, honestly, and, you know, I mean, we are we are talking to Jim to get him on the show, which will be, you know, super exciting. But the only way I was able to do that was when he was heading off to his panel, I was just able to latch on and just kind of, like, like, I'm like a remora on the side. But, uh, but you know, I'm walking with him in the through the bowels of the expo, um, just you know, pitching him, come on the show. <laughs> you know, so. you know, that was hilarious. Yeah, because you had, we had asked our, our media person if it would be okay to ask Jim Lee, Jim Shooter, if he would do a, uh, a you know, an interview for us. And he said, certainly would. Uh, and uh, then we were trying to figure out the time. So the timing was tough. Because, you know, I mean, you want to catch him, like, he has a panel, we have a panel, or you have a panel. And, 
and we both want to be there and we have kind of an agenda of what we want to talk about and and it was like we never could work it out We're, and I'm like well just go and ask him if he'll come on the show tell him Dom DeFalco was able to to Skype us in and if mm-hmm. he can do it you can do it just and and Brett <laughs> and Brett just kind of steps up to him and I'm like he's like I'm like well go talk to him he's like you're like and your response was me and then <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're the man at getting these interviews because you are. You always get the good stuff at the at the expo. So then you you start talking to him, and you knew the girl that was his uh, guide to the taking him to the panel. She had been at your panel or something, I think. And anyways, you start walking with him, and then you walk out behind. And you guys ent- exit this door into like you said, kind of the bowels of the building where it gets. And I'm standing there going, "Is Brett coming back? Is he? What do I do here? Uh, Brett, are you? He's not coming back. No. <laughs> and I, and, I, and like, at that point, I was thinking. I hope Mo realizes that I'm just going to walk with Jim to to get to the damn panel. He can he can <laughs> fend for himself. Up over to the panel as quick as I can, and then I'm like, "What happened? What happened?" <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Keith, your interaction with Mr. Shooter, I'm fascinated. Like I've been fascinated by this guy. I'm always asking guests to know about him. I'm trying to figure him out. After my personal experience with him, I have him. I don't have him any more figured out <laughs> than I did before. I can say that. But how about you? Uh, he's he's kind of like the you know the 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 warrior monk of comics he's like, he's he's incredibly brilliant um you know learned at the feet of every one of the great masters um and he wants you to know that both of those things and and <laughs> yeah and also like a shameless name dropper um at the same time um and I mean, it's funny that uh, I mean, he, I know that he kind of dips in and out of comics. I don't actually know what he does when he's not doing comics. Um, you know, but now he, yeah, you know, I heard him refer to himself as having worked fifty some years in the industry. I'm like, well, I think there's like a couple of five or ten year gaps in the middle there. But um. <laughs> he did say he did tell that guy who had to Google him. He told him, uh, I make a living, was what he said. He's <laughs> like, yeah, and I, he does. And he did mention that he had a project that he's working with that he's hoping will come out through Image. So that's a very interesting. Uh, and, you know, we didn't get any more details, obviously, but he did say that. Yeah, so uh, as I said, I was a huge fan of the new universe. Um, and uh, I, I actually knew going in it was a bit of a roll of the dice because the new universe is one of the things that – um, either was part of a Jim Shooter leaving Marvel, or or was um, suffered because he was about to go. One of the two. Like it's kind of hard to figure out the timing. Um, he was only there for maybe a year of the New Universe um, before he hit the bricks and and DeFalco came in. And uh, so I go up and. As as you guys said, I, you know, same experience. That there was someone in front of me talking about Legion of Superheroes with him, or more specifically, listing to stories about Legion of Superheroes from Jim. And so I just stood there and listened to that for a while because, like, I mean, not, I'm not in any rush. So like, I've I've got lots of time. So I waited 20 minutes in line behind one person, uh, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it really that only broke up because someone came by and asked Jim if he wanted a sandwich, and like, the other guy took the opportunity to go, thanks. Thanks, thanks for the talk, and, and took off. Um, and uh, so then I pull out my—I've got a couple of the new universe books, and uh, one of them's the the Star Brand trade, which is the one he actually wrote. Uh, the others he was editor in chief for them. Um, so I hand him that, and I'm like, oh, you know, I was a huge fan of the new universe. I just—I love that whole line, love the whole concept. He's like, all right. <laughs> so in Star Brand, Star Brand was a terrific book. So thanks. 
And like, oh, I've blown it. I've totally blown it. I'm not going to get my my great gym shooter story after hearing the the like the experiences you guys had. Where Brett said, like, one of the best people I've ever talked to at a con. Um, and then I just kind of teased a little bit, a little bit. I'm like, so what was your plan for that? And you know, I like the way that you developed the character at Starbrand. That he wasn't he wasn't a hero from the beginning. He was a flawed person. And then he really started to open up about his philosophy of the character and would talk about Starbrand specifically, but he wouldn't really talk about the rest of the line. And uh, uh, for those who know the universe, the idea of the new universe is that there was a something called the White Event. Um, so it was our world up to the point of July 1986. There was this flash in the sky, and then suddenly p- different people had superpowers. Um, so I asked about that. I'm like, what was your plan? And he's like, our plan was to never tell you. Um, so I won't tell you. <laughs> 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 which is both frustrating and amazing at the same time. Um, pro- probably that's going to be more memorable and, and special to me than if he had just told me. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just had a nice chat with him about uh, you know some of his ideas of comics then and, and comics now, uh, his reviews of a couple of books that I won't mention. Uh, <laughs> no, we know what that is. It's necessarily uh... favorable. <laughs> <laughs> he had good points about it to a degree and yet on the other hand I'm listening to you explain well, I'll just say that it's one of the most possibly the most famous storyline of the early 90s and uh, he didn't think too well of it and uh, no. pardon me? <laughs> he had some notes <laughs> he had some notes and, uh, and as I listened to him I'm thinking Seriously, dude, where's your sense of wonder? Like, I'm listening to you tell me that story about him complaining about the lack of realism. I'm like, dude, we're talking about, anyways. <laughs> I mean, he did. I mean, he told me some interesting stuff just, you know, in passing, though. I mean, it just that's one of the interesting things about uh, Shooter is that just casually he'll say something like, "Oh yeah," and then there was this Legion of Superheroes story that they wouldn't let me write, and here's the entire plot of this of this comic that was probably something he wrote in a week 40 years ago and he could tell me everything that was supposed to happen in the story um you know and he'll draw you a picture of yeah (laughs) well and like we were talking about iron man essentially it was where like we talked about the iron man movies we talked about you know some of the stuff in the comics and and he said well i had this you know idea for legion that you know chameleon was gonna do this thing chameleon boy was gonna like make an armor around goliath and do this thing and I'm like, but he laid out the entire plot of a whole issue that was never produced from 40 years ago. So, like, just the history that just pours out of him as he talks was amazing. He has so many stories, and, and like, he is intellectually, I mean, he's working on a whole other level. Like, it really is. He's, when you say he's brilliant, it's true. I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Even if he wasn't going to point it out to you, which he is. <laughs> but even if he wasn't, there's no doubt about it. He is—he's absolutely brilliant, and and he gave us an inside scoop on Dazzler, right, Brett? Yeah, that's right. Because because you had brought up the uh, the Dazzler, the Dazzler uh, movie uh, treatment that was on his website, which uh, you know, Casablanca project. So all the Casablanca people were on it. Had to be in it. That's right. Uh, since you apparently aren't going to tell the story. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's it's long dead. Because, no, I mean, because, uh, you know, we were, were flipping by and there was the, you know, covered up Dazzler number one. I said, yeah, I had a chance to read a scriptment 
uh, you know, uh, yeah, a, uh, yeah, scriptment uh, uh, from that. And it was just insane. He goes, oh, yeah, that was off my website, which I didn't realize. I won't say where we got it from, but it certainly wasn't his website. But <laughs> <laughs> and, and what website is that, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> Jimshooter.com, I think. Um, but anyway, so he goes, yeah. And, he's, and then he goes, I said, I said it's, it would have been insane. He, again, it was kind of the same thing, Keith, where he wasn't going to tell me about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of. He's like, yeah. I, I was like, he's like, yeah, it was on my website. But he did start smiling about it right like he was proud of it and i go yeah it was insane because it was supposed to have rodney dangerfield in it and i said and robin williams was supposed to be in it and all the members of kiss were supposed to be in it i'm like and all i was like this this unbelievably insane cast that you can't imagine all these people in it like 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 brett and i have looked at it and, and thought for our scripts panel boy we'd like to do it because hey my rodney dangerfield's good uh it's pretty good and, and that's not it Oh, yeah, that's because, good. Because that, was, that was close. That, that was no Rodney Dangerfield, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the Fred Flintstone of <laughs> yeah. Rodney Dangerfield. I don't know what's going on there, but the point being, yeah, that's my Rodney Dangerfield. But uh, what was I saying, Brad? <laughs> so anyways, I, I just mentioned all that, and he just kind of like he paused for a second. He looks at me and goes, okay, I'll give you the story on this. And I was like, yes. And uh, basically, he said that uh, that he thought he was going to be this huge movie mogul because, you know, he had this project and he thought everybody was going to come. And, you know, I mean, it was going to be this big thing and he was going to be, you know, switch into that because because this concept and, uh, had come about. And Bo Derek was coming right off of 10. And Bo Derek was one of the hottest stars in Hollywood coming off of 10. Uh, you know, that hugely successful movie with uh, at the time with. Uh, with uh, Dudley Moore, huge comedy, Blake Edwards film. It's pretty. It's a pretty great film. It's a little doesn't quite match, hold up as much today, but pretty great film for the time. And it was just a huge hit. And she was the hottest star in Hollywood. And every and when she came in and she saw it, and she said, "This is the next project I want to be in." Every studio in Hollywood was bidding on it. Like everybody wanted it. And then she said, "But my husband John Derrick has to direct." And Brett, what did Jim Shooter say about John Derrick? Uh, let's see now. Uh, too slow, too over budget. Uh, something, something Some, to those something lines. Something to those lines. So he was too polite to say also shitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he is that. He is, he that, is that. Um, yeah. I mean, he married her when she was like 15 and, you know, he was like 55. Right. <laughs> and, and, oh, I mean, we're not going to say he wasn't smart in his own way, but, you know, like. <laughs> I guess. So just, despite uh, that, he wasn't that bright. Disturbing, but. Yeah, and then yeah, put her in like all these movies where she's naked and stuff, like really young and everything. And, like, and he was just, you know, I mean, he it was, it was basically an erotica director, you know, Bolero and these different. And that, that's what I basically said. I said she would have been much better off if she had done this project than to do Bolero and Tarzan of the Ape Man or whatever it was and, and all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, she would have been better off because as soon as she said, John Derrick, my husband, has to direct it, every studio that was bidding and was interested dropped out every single one of them <laughs> and it never got made. So, Brett, uh, at the second panel, you had to leave a little bit early because you had um, you had a chance to do an interview. Tell everybody about Kenny versus Spenny. We're, we're teasing because uh, I think people outside of Canada might not be as familiar, even though we're in a digital age and there's no reason, but uh, hugely popular here and for good reason. Tell them Canadian, about- Canadian comic legends that well, uh, comic that but <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly not comic book maybe comic. <laughs> Um, comedic comedic yeah tell everybody about kenny versus spenny you know and and here's the interesting thing i don't know all that much about them nobody does but uh but 
No, what it, what it all come came down to was, you know, I was just fishing around like, hey, who can I interview? It's it's just like, can I can I interview Patrick Warburton? Nope. Can I interview Wallace Shawn? Nope. Who can I interview? Kenny and Spenny? Okay, sure, let's do that. <laughs> and so, so you know, then it was just like the time came to to it. And and I mean, I've seen a few of the episodes, and I knew a little bit of what was going on, and. It just turned out to be interesting because because I was there waiting by their table, and there was another media um, outlet called Game Refraction, and they were waiting there as well. And so the the girl with Game Refraction, she's she's like, I don't know anything about them, and she's <laughs> like, Do you know anything about them? And I'm like. I know. But here's slightly. what the person who likes them is Chris, who's not here. But yeah. there's it's kind of like a jackass type thing. But yeah, but based on challenges, they give each other challenges to do stuff and other people, and then these challenges are outrageous. So it's almost like a little like jackass, and then a game show mixed in, and and then comedy. So that's and and one of them cheats so that he doesn't have to do it, and then the other one always winds up doing it. So that's that's pretty much the way that that uh, that that plays out. But we did this so that so then she's like she, this girl from Great Refraction. She asks if we can pair up to do the the interview. So I'm like, oh, okay, sure, why not? <laughs> so needless to say, in this case, uh, there should be some video that will accompany this this interview as well. Uh, you know, yay video! But uh, but I mean, they're interesting guys. They're I think that they would be a lot of fun. They do a live show now because they're off of TV, though they would love to get back on TV, but I will let them explain that overall. They pop in and out of character uh, randomly throughout, so it's it's kind of an interesting interview, but uh, but they're a lot of fun. Well, let's cut to that now, and then uh, we'll come back and, and tell a couple more stories. So how are you doing? We're here with uh, Kenny and Spinney. Terrible. Terrible. Excellent. That's what I like to hear. I'm great. You're great? Love Calgary. Canadian boys. Been here 15 times. So, and so, you are you enjoying the Calgary Expo? I mean, yeah. do, you, do you enjoy getting out to do the, doing these shows? Of course. Look at all the fresh titties. It's incredible. Some women should <laughs> not be dressed as Wonder Woman. That's all I'm going to say. I saw Wonder Bread Woman earlier. What's up, Jeremy? Wow, that's yeah. pretty good. I mean, you know, is it is it hard then to not just race over the race over the counter and just you know grab some of those? Uh, uh, we don't really do that. No, that's unfortunately, um, and it's called sexual assault. <laughs> so that's that's a stunt that really doesn't uh, doesn't occur on the show. Yeah, it does not occur. Spenny's more into the babies, anyhow. So <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a couple of Amber Alerts by the time he leaves Calgary. So let's keep so an eye on it. Good that all my kids are back in Red Deer. Of course, yeah. Oh, now you told them where they are. I'd rush <laughs> home if I were you. So after 86 episodes, then, um, you know, is there anything left that you wish that you had done, or is that being saved for the live show? I would love, uh, we would, I would do 500 more. I think that the older we get, the more pathetic we are and the funnier the shows would be. But I think we could do, like, who could smoke more meth, who could knit a sweater, uh, you know, I, uh, we'd love to do them. Whatever came to that. Is there a, is, you know, how, how is the response for the live show? That's crazy. It's just sold out two shows here. And, uh, yeah, we're surprised. It's been, we haven't been on the air for seven years. And, and all we have to do is be ourselves. No acting, nothing. Yeah. 
a great deal. Spencer wishes we were characters, but uh, unfortunately, he is him. He has to live with that on a daily basis. Now, is there people that have kind of come back to you and said that you're people they look up to and that they're kind of following your foot in your footsteps, which is uh, scary? Well, the thought. most rewarding is when the soldiers uh, who were in Afghanistan, they'd get DVDs of the show and they'd watch it and it would take a little of the stress off. That, to me, is uh, a high watermark of uh, something that I'm very happy about. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, we got very lucky. People love the show, and, uh, you know, it makes people laugh, so we do get a lot of, you know, I was in dark times, and your show made me feel great, and, and uh, yeah, it's fun. I think it's impressive, especially because you're, you know, you're Canadian, and, it, and it's nice to think that, that, you know, something like this can start in Canada, and then, and then I mean, the, the similar elements have been kind of pushed out yeah. into the world, but I mean, well, it feels we, like you guys were... Uh, we're an anomaly. The fact our show happened is insanity, you know, so not sure it'll happen again, but, you know, we, we did a lot. 80, 89 episodes. 89 episodes, wow. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to a couple of fans, and now they, they wanted me to ask, do you like Calamari? Calamari? Because of this octopus episode? Yeah, I believe that. I like, uh, what I stopped liking for a while was turkey, when we did the Who Could Eat the Most Meat. <laughs> it took me two years to get back into turkey again. I've always loved seafood, and I, I now that you've made the... Uh, Analogy. analogy, I might not be able to eat calamari, but uh, so far, thanks for that. I thought calamari was the name of that escort that went to your room last night. Well, I mean, yeah, eight, eight hands? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's... I mean, how do no, you she just smelt like fish. <laughs> so I got a question for you. Do you guys, not the term is fangirl, whatever, yeah. do you guys fangirl over anybody when you guys are at the cons? Like, is there anybody that you're like, oh my god, Billy D. Williams is pretty cool, because uh, song room, uh, Lady Sings the Blues is a great movie, Diana Ross. Spenny fangirls over me. To be honest, I'm not that familiar with this culture, but what I like is the fans are literate. They don't seem to be too druggied up. They're just uh, intelligent people that are passionate about pop culture. And I, I appreciate that because most of our fans are yahoos. Like last, night, fans. like last night, I pulled a guy up, a Kenny fan. He didn't know. He couldn't name me two of the Axis powers in World War II. That's sad. We were talking about World War II. This isn't uh, Grenada. But anyway, so. where's Grenada? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not in the French Alps. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it might be one day. That's, that's by the way true. the world's going. <laughs> Perfect. I think that's all the time we have with you guys. Great. Well, thank you so much. we got to make some money. All yes. right. Nerd money. Kenny and Spenny, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. guys take care. Thanks, Brett. And uh, like you say, I don't know how we're going to put the... Obviously, we'll have the audio and the, in the, in, it's in the show. People just heard it, but uh, the video, we'll probably put it in the post or maybe just a link to if there's a YouTube or how we're going to do it. I'm not sure yet, but, uh, but that's cool. And uh, we do appreciate... Uh, <laughs> familiar with them or not, it's just awesome the Expo to hook us up for anything uh, like that. And uh, still, you know, it's uh, always great for us, too. So... Keith, what were some other uh, things that uh, kind of stood out for you? How about your panels? Any stories from that? Uh, I had some interesting panels. I, uh, I I guessed it on one that I I assume the listeners are going to hear soon the the scriptments panel. Uh, How are my voices this year? I I loved I loved the voice that you which, did. Which one? 
that well they're all the same but uh, what? The, the one that you <laughs> the one, were, but it was hilarious every time um <laughs> the, <laughs> i also did uh i did a a lettering panel um a couple of years ago i did an, an inking panel at the expo and this year um i wanted to uh get into a couple i, want, I wanted to get into something else that is rarely talked about um at conventions um and and one of the most challenging things when doing reviews uh something i always struggled with doing reviews for comics was um bringing up the lettering in any way that actually added value to the to the review um so i brought in uh Ryan Ferrier who's uh you know old friend of all of ours and uh uh does lettering on for various companies um some of his own work uh he lettered the dave books um and uh uh f- my friend Finn who does the uh crash and burn um i don't know if Finn's last name in front of me um <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's lalan or Something like that. Luke Luke Cullen. Luke Cullen. Okay. Cullen. Um, uh, Finn does the art and lettering on a webcomic called Crash and Burn, which is also on uh, Comixology now. And uh, uh, so I had a. And then I brought in uh, Alexander Finbo, who's publisher of Renegade Press, so we're really bringing an editor's point of view to it. Um, And we really were able to dig deep into. the letter, the letterer's job as far as storytelling goes. You know, we didn't spend a whole lot of time on tools and fonts and things like that. We kind of briefly touched on them. But what I really wanted to talk about was what is lettering add and what can lettering harm um, in the final product of a comic. Um, so we looked at you know samples from from uh, Ryan's work, from Finn's work, and you know I think we were really able to kind of. I learned a lot, so hopefully the audience did too. Uh, the other one was a, a Captain Canuck panel uh, where uh, the, the guys were – the Captain Canuck folks were running a little late, so I got to do a little five-minute stand-up routine essentially, um, filling time for them. And then we talked about the Captain Canuck animated series, uh, which is all on YouTube. It's a really terrific show with uh, quite a few celebrity voices, uh, including uh, Platinum Blonde. Sweet. Which, uh, you know, Canadian treasures. Um, and, Kenny versus Benny. Much like Kenny versus Benny, hopefully, like more than more people know about Platinum Blonde in the U.S., but I wouldn't count on it. Um, Jason Priestley, everyone, people in the U.S. know about Jason Priestley. He's been in a couple episodes, and um, Laura Vanderroot uh, from uh, Smallville and and the the Werewolf show she does. Um, she's in quite a few of the episodes. Um, and then we, so we just talked about Captain Canuck in general, and uh, we watched some episodes of the show. Um, so. Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun on the panels. How about your uh, panels, Brett? Well, there was the art panel, which was uh, which was really interesting. It was funny because Tom Rainey had said that he wasn't really a big talker, and and he's not. You know, he came out a few times with a uh, thing to say, but he mostly just wanted to draw. So we were able to kind of set the projector up over him, and he was able to draw. Tom Coker and Steve Lieber happily filled in the rest of the space, so we got a pretty good. Uh, pretty good talk about art going and then uh, of course the scripts panel was fantastic and everybody's going to hear that one really how soon. do you think of my voices brett uh, it was great and and uh yeah and so anyways of course i had 
uh, the very first panel, which everybody can hear now because it's already available on our site, was the Chapter House panel, and uh, Fadi and and uh, Kalman weren't there. They were on a plane still, so it was kind of hijacked by Jim Zub and Ray Fox, and they just they just went on and talked, and that was great. So it's a really funny panel. I recommend everybody listen to it. And then I wrapped up with with a great Star Wars panel uh, with Ken Stacy, a Canadian treasure, and Dave Dorman, who is you know pretty much the best, like the probably the most well known uh, Star Wars cover artist there is. Uh, his work is just amazing, and and he's a really wonderful guy. So that um, you know that was a treat to be on stage with those two guys. Are people going to hear that uh, that panel, Brett? Well, yes, yes, they are. In fact, every single panel that uh, that we did, pretty much, except I guess your your Captain Canuck, that's probably not going to be heard. No, but uh, but as far we as needed every... that, we needed the recorder for uh, Kenny versus Spenny. That's that's right. <laughs> but every other panel, it will be heard. Dorman was great on that panel, and, um, and your even even the your lettering panel, and it, it, I mean, it might be a little. We'll have screen captures and different things. I think that the discussion, from what I heard, which was only unfortunately because of uh, you know that 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 guy Jim Shooter, that little, you know, he kept talking to us, and and so we only cut the last fifteen minutes. But um, I think it. I think it's gonna. Um, yeah, I think it's going to come across just fine on on uh, you know on, on audio, don't you? I think I think a lot of the broad strokes are some specific stuff, but uh, we actually only really pulled from a handful of pages uh, from the books. So hopefully, you know, the listeners may want to take a look at those. But I think uh, broad strokes they'll be able to pick up uh, from just the audio. And uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely, we. Um... Uh, had a great time with the panel, the scripts panel. I do. I mean, we'll probably save that. The very last thing we put up, we're going to again make you wait because it's like it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. <laughs> uh, uh, my Keanu Reeves was easily topped by Alexander Fimbo's English Keanu Reeves. Um, <laughs> you know, Jeff Martin, uh, great. And his yeah, his eleven year old boy is is superior. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just a tremendous. He even has the cracking voice and everything. You want to check out, uh, you know, uh, Jeff. Oh, how can I forget his work? Hockey Apocalypse. Thank and... you. <laughs> Space Heat wasn't and, uh, that another one? Yeah. Uh, and the uh, yeah, it's red coats, red coats, red coats for sure. And Zog, right? Zog. Zog. And his wrestling, and he's got wrestling work, so. Kayfabe, I think, isn't it? Kayfabe is a, and, and uh, yeah, that's what I actually bought from him. An anthology that he's done that I have not had a chance to check out yet, but I will. So yeah, I mean, um, you know, and that was that was for me the highlight of this thing was um, I have not had a chance to most of the local creators here we haven't had a chance to kind of personally hang out with since uh, last summer, and most of them I hadn't talked to, and just being able to catch up to you, you know with. Uh, Ryan Ferrier and you know and the guy's just so damned hilarious and you know talking to Alexander Fimbo and he really is like the best dude in the world you know and Stephen Charles Verzea who we're going to have on the show to talk about Comic Central which has been started by Lee Jeffrey who coming out of um, our summit a couple years ago um, almost two years ago 18 months ago or so now it kind of it's like a comicsology but for independent 
creators and it's not taking 50% of their work uh, or you know of their of their money away from them it's it's some a way for you to support the independents and give back to them at a much higher higher rate and that's so awesome and uh, uh, Vic pardon me I was just going to say uh, Stephen just tweeted a link out that his first uh, comic is on there is on Comic Central yes. uh, da- Daughters of the Knights uh, chapter one so it's it's to generally right something yes it's really that's such a cool thing and it's a beautiful site and uh, you know I mean for independent creators I I believe they said they already had 149 in a waiting list and uh, you know I mean. Uh, Vic Maholtra spent a lot of time talking to him. We got a panel from him that were, again, it kind of it was him explaining how to adapt a book into, into a comic book form. So we're kind of going to determine whether or not it's something that works as an audio podcast or not. Uh, but it was really great, and he's just such an awesome, awesome guy. Uh, Chelsea Crutchley, uh, Stray Sod, her book is. So wonderful and beautiful. Only thing more wonder. Only thing that outstrips how beautiful and wonderful Stray Sod is is probably her herself. If you ever at a convention have a chance to talk to her, you definitely want to. Though you might miss her because she's probably sitting down, hiding behind stuff. She needs to stand up. And <laughs> she's she's good at that. No question. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just to see the people again, talk to them, Mallory, and you know, just. Everybody, it was such a such a good time uh, to hang out with it. Uh, once again, we can say that the comic folks are like the best people, you know. And oh, we'll, there's no doubt about that. And we'll have a lot of interviews, hopefully, on the show, like via, via Skype or further detail. Besides Jim Shooter, Steve Lieber, and hopefully, and some of these uh, Scott Hanna and some of these other guys that we we'll hope to get on and, and just really follow up and, and dig into a lot more. So, any thoughts on any of that? The local seeing people. Upcoming panel one comic creator festival is June third. Anything else? It is just it's great seeing some of these folks because uh, even some of the locals, uh, you know, this show and and the and the red and white show in the fall are the only time I will see them, uh, and then now the panel one show. Um, and Vic Vic lives uh, you know a few hours away from us, so really this is I might see him once or twice a year, and he's one of my favorite people. He's just a genuinely nice guy. Oh, absolutely. Great guy. Yeah. Almost too nice. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Yeah, like almost like he's faking it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and of course, Vic was on telling us about uh, we read some of his books and then we recommended to him books we wanted him to read and come back on. Um, and he lost that list. Uh, so so uh, once, he, once he solves that list problem, then, uh, then he'll be back on. We continue to make fun of him for that for oh, a long time. That's right. probably all four days. Uh, undoubtedly any any final thoughts guys i I was curious um if you guys got autographs at the show uh only from those people aaron navratti another local one i only bought local creators that's the only thing i bought was local creators local talent and of course they all signed the books and did things for me but other than that no uh even jim shooter um uh, I'm not a huge autograph person, so uh, yeah. you know, in that way. But, but all my money went to locals, and and literally all my money went to locals. I mean, I got, all of it. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I I pulled out everything that I had, pretty much, and uh, and it was a couple of shooters, Steve Lieber, um, let's see, Dave Dorman, which pick, uh, Scott Hanna, which so. pick from Jim Shooter, Brett. <laughs> Well, I only have the Harbinger trade and a Solar trade. Oh, okay. 
Steve Lieber, by the way, mentioned that uh, Whiteout is out of print because we mentioned that it isn't there. But he said they're thinking of doing an omnibus book of it. Omnibus book Omnibus. Omni, whatever. And he also mentioned that they're looking at doing a volume three, which is really cool. I wonder what I can get uh, get on eBay for those than a three out of print. Yeah, <laughs> uh, sell it all off. How, how all long off. before this episode goes up again? I don't, I don't want to hurt the market. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, this one right away, right, Brett? As quick as we can. And Brett, Todd McFarlane, uh, tell everybody what they're okay. doing here. All right, so so the media scrum, I got there, I got there early. You know, we, we, get, we get escorted into this. Well, basically, it's like the truly the bowels again, but it's behind... In our, it's it's like an arena, so it's in it's in a space behind the arena, and there's fan a fan going, but they've got like a nice couch set up, and they've got the Calgary Expo wall set up, and there's a bunch of chairs, and there's a lot of media, and so it's kind of like a scramble for the chairs. I I wound up like oh there's a chair at the front. <laughs> it was like bad part of class. I don't know why people wouldn't want to be up front, but that's fine. Was so I up front. He was up front. Well, that's why. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. And so I got this, I got this seat up front, and and I'm thinking, okay, well, this is great. And then he comes out, and I mean, he's this amazing guy, and they and they say like, okay, you got 15 minutes, and not everybody's questions are going to be answered, but you know, he'll do what he can. So he starts going, and I mean, Duker must have been vibrating or something because he's like, hold on, hold on. He grabs him by the shoulder. He's like, hold on, I'll get to you. And so then, of course, you know, within the first five minutes, Duker gets his average question answered. And, <laughs> I, I, heard, and, I, heard it, I heard it was a great question. Well, I, from I heard, Duker? I, yeah, I heard, I, that, that's fair. I mean, I did hear it from Duker, but I mean, I, I trust him that if... Every... Yeah, he tells me it was a great question. Everybody will hear it soon enough. I heard that and, he says that uh, he has a great question. Todd McFarlane tells him, I'll determine if it's a great question. Again, it's all on. Uh, it's all recorded, so you can hear it uh, straight from the, telling the truth. The horse's mouth. Yeah, but I think by coincidence. Okay. When he told me it was a great question, that's exactly what I said. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, anyways, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I really, I want to get my question, but like 15 minutes goes by, and I still haven't gotten my question, and I'm like, oh, so 20 minutes goes by, and they're like, okay, Todd, you're going to be late for your panel, and you know, you better, you better stop. So then five more minutes goes by and they're like, okay, Todd, one more question. That's it. And so he turns around near me and he goes right behind me. And I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't get my question answered. And then Todd being the really nice guy that he is said, okay, I'm going to answer one last question. You know, who's, who's going to do that? Who's, who's willing to stand up? So I'm like, shoot, my hand shoots up and he's like, okay. And he, and he, Grabs and this is this is wrong. I I, I since listened to it, but uh, but though in my mind he said something different than he actually said. But, <laughs> but he grabs my face, grabs my cheeks, and he shakes my face, and it's just like it better be a good one, you know. And in your and, mind, what did he say? Well, no, that was what he said in my mind. Oh, I, I can't remember exactly. I just know that it's not it's not that. But he did grab my face, and so at the moment, it was just kind of like, what the hell is going on? 
why is Todd McFarlane grabbing my face? (laughs) That's tremendous. And then he answered my question, and everybody gets to hear that. And he is really engaging, and he was super nice. And then I went out to see his panel, took a few pictures uh, from right up front before getting, uh, you know, sitting down. Yeah, you know what? That'll be the show picture. Forget the one with Colin. It does Colin's face in it. We don't want that. Oh, that's right. That's scary stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, it was was an amazing experience, and I, and I, you know, I enjoyed every minute of it. Colin, in case you're wondering, looks a little like Jack Skeleton. Only creepier. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jack Skeleton? Skeleton? Skeleton. Skellington. Skellington, whatever the hell. That's who he looks like. Started Image Comic. So, the people who are now scrumming over that fixed amount of pages, the value keeps going up. I don't know if you guys saw a couple years ago. I had a buddy who bought a bunch of covers from me for hockey cards. I traded them for hockey cards, right? Maybe $2,000 a hockey card. He took two covers, Spider-Man number one and my last baby Spider-Man. Put them in an auction. And the tally of those two is over a million bucks. Wow. Wow. And I got, and my, my, my daughter was so happy that day because she's thinking she's going to any college of her choice. <laughs> <laughs> so my wife had to go ask dad if he owned those pages. <laughs> if he didn't own them, ask him what he sold them for. If he didn't sell them, what did he trade them for? And what he traded them for, does he even have any of that? Right? <laughs> you, never, you never want to disappoint your teenagers that way, right? The story is always, art goes for a million, artist dies penniless under a bridge. Right? That's, that's always how it works. But since 1992, I haven't sold any pages. I have, I have every page of Spawn that I've ever, ever done. Right? Wow. And I've still got some key Spider-Man stuff. So, so how's this going on? You guys are going to fire a question? Yeah, or, so. Who had the question? Who's the, who's going to be the first one? No, this look at he was the brave soul right here. <laughs> so we're going here. Yes, sir. Uh, Hollywood's an interesting beast. I know people talk about fatigue for any category, whether it's romantic comedies or action movies, whatever. Here's the only thing that really matters at the end of the day, are they good? So the only reason you get fatigue in any one of those categories is if you get 10 bad ones in a row and people go, I'm done with them, right? So you can still make Westerns. You just need to make a good Western. They're not, it's not that people don't want to go to it, they've just seen so many bad ones. So I think you're going to continue to see a slew of superhero movies. Uh, the, the, where I'm going to try and play is the vast majority of those are in the PG-13 arena, and, and mine's going to be a dark, hard R, right? And, I, and again, when you say R, it's funny in Hollywood, they go, oh, like Deadpool. Deadpool is an act, it's just an action movie with a couple F-bombs and a naked butt here and there, right? Logan pushed it. I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking like a horror creep movie like way over here. Dark, scared the shit out of you, right? Just, and, and, and a movie in which the sentinel being of Spawn is the only thing fantastic in the entire movie, right? Those are the movies I grew up with. I didn't grow up with superhero movies or, you know, even Star Wars. But, you know, I grew up with The Exorcist and The Omen and Jaws and even movies like Frankenstein. There's only one one fantastic element in those movies. And even even today, right? Even today when you go to movies like The Grudge and the Ring and all there's only the boogeyman, there's one boogeyman in every good horror movie, right? And I use horror terms to just scare, scare the crap out of people. So it's gonna, 
it's gonna be it's gonna be a creepy movie. If you like Jacob's Ladder, hopefully you'll like it. Ah. So. He was second. He was he was. We're gonna get the invested people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so 2017 marks like 25 years. And an image comic, right? Yeah. But I know Spawn's much older than that. And yes. My question is, how did Spawn Spawn? I'll give it to you, but it's one of the things I, I usually go through my career pretty quickly. But I, I think today I'm going to backtrack and sort of lay a heavy Calgary burden on it and just go, you know, to see if I can inspire a couple people here. I, um, I, I don't. I, I probably would have done it the same as other people who have broken into business. I, I started collecting comics late, right? I was a late bloomer, and and I got smitten by this style of superhero comic book, decided I was going to teach myself that style. That's all it is. It's, it's an American, American superhero comic book. And along the way, there's two things that you do once you're, you're, you're teaching yourself. You're either A, drawn their characters, Marvel, DC are the two big ones, or you, or you start fiddling around and creating your own. And so I created probably 12 or 15 back when I was in high school. Uh, but the one that was my guy was Spawn. Uh, I actually even started, a, and I've published a couple of the pages in some books I've done of the comic book I started in high school, of Spawn. And he kind of looks exactly the same. I didn't really change him that much. Um, but, I, but when I eventually got in professional, I, I put him away. And I had read enough about the industry to know that it wasn't conducive to basically giving your creation away. So I just sat on it. Right? And I sat and I sat and I sat and then eventually we leave and create our own company, Image Comics. And the first guy I jump into, everybody had to come out with a book. And I went, I know who I'm doing. And I'm going, I got spawned. He's been sitting there for since I was 16. Yeah. yeah. Now. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's uh, Chris from GeekNerdNet.com. Yeah, how are you doing? Uh, all things indie. Good. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Um, hey. Now, in your book, The Art of, you know, you, Tom, Devils in the Details. Yeah, I'm bored of me. You had, so. uh, you had said, you know, for you, a measure of success is creating characters that outlive you. Right. Right? Now, aside from Spawn, and maybe the answer is Spawn, but are there any other characters in your wheelhouse that you'd love to see, you want to push a bit over the next 20, 30 years and see them outlive you as well? Yes, and so I've, I've got others. We've been announcing a TV deal for one of them. Oh. Um, you know, we, we just sold Sam Twitch. Uh, to BBC America. Kevin Smith is going to be writing and directing that one. Uh, we just sold another one. They're going to make, make an announcement. Showtime is going to make an announcement a little bit later. Uh, here's, what, here's what I tell people, and I, and I understand the question, but th there, there are times where you can sort of get, I think, off track by trying to do too much at once, right? So I always tell people, if somebody offers you the trademark to Superman, Grab it and run and run. Don't go. You're Super Dog. When do I get Supergirl? What about the Ma Pa Kent? Don't. Lux Luthor. Just take the IP and run, yeah. and you will be amazed what you can do with that one character, right? So, can I come up with four? four? I, I will, right? And they're, yeah. they're there, and I've got a couple others that are going. But at some point. You don't need to get greedy, right? I mean, you can only digest so much, right? And I'm going, if the one character allows me to lead a good life, have creative freedom, and, 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 and provide for my family, okay, why don't I need 
that times six. Yeah. My goal is the same as yours, right? Just lead an uncomplicated life as much as possible. So I'm okay. I'll let people way more ambitious than me have a dozen characters. Awesome. Right? Thanks. Yes, ma'am. Tally from Game Production. Thank you for doing this. Oh, no, thanks for getting up. Um, so, Spawn was a huge moment for creative control properties when you co founded Image Comics. Yep. As when Greg um, took over the art chores for the series, what was it you saw in Greg that made him the proper fit? Uh, he was just better than me. I mean, at some point, no, at some point, look at some point, here's, here's the skills you get older is recognizing that you're not the smartest person in the room. And what you want to do is you want to hire people that are smarter than you, right? My best day, my best day, and I, I don't say this as a joke, my best day is when I'm in a room with 10, 20 people, I employ most of them, and I'm the dumbest guy in that room, right? Because I know at the end of the day, I'm still going to get a lot of credit for it because I was smart enough to pick smart people. So let's, let's talk about Phil Jackson. He coached the, the Chicago Bulls, right? Got six rings. Six, six rings. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen got six. Phil Jackson made no baskets. Didn't shoot one ball in those six years. What he was smart enough to do was to get Scottie and Michael and a bunch of other dudes and go, go do that thing. I'll be here on the couch with my legs folded <laughs> in a three-piece suit and I get six rings. So if you do stuff right, with good people and you surround yourself with good people, you look you look good. You look good. I, I feel sometimes like I'm like the Queen of England, right? I just come out, I do the little wave. People go, what do we actually do anymore, right? And you just go in, it's like, I, my goal now is to just, there's young, smart talent and it is global now. Let me tell you, the internet is now made talent global. It used to be, I used to have to hire from North America, but my last five hires, Russia, Korea, Poland, uh, Japan, and China. Those were five of my last artists that I hired. Because it's everywhere now, skills everywhere. So, why did I get Greg? Because he's awesome. Simple. So, yeah. Zazki from Fun thanks for coming here. No, thank you for having me. The, uh, just wanted to say that uh, you have a tremendous con presence. Kind of the theme we're going through for uh, this convention is what does a uh, convention mean to I you? I got a con presence. I'm going to go look that up on Google. <laughs> okay. well, what does uh, like a conning mean to you, especially for the future of this industry? Like, uh, I've, we've heard that some people chat about, well, some of these conventions are kind of pointless. Of course, I think everyone here has said otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and I had a chance to speak to you down in San Diego a couple years ago, and it was tremendous the presence that you bring. What does the future hold uh, of these types of conventions, especially when it's out to the like said, goals that have been okay, So let's just talk about conventions as a whole, right? Look, at, I, I was on the other side of that desk at one point, and I went to a couple of conventions. I was a little bit later, 16, 17, but I, I saw it with my own eyes. And here's the one thing that struck me, and it's and it, and it still to this day, I can remember the moment. There were people that were good and kind and cordial and, and made you feel important, given that you had 30 seconds. And then there were nasty people. And I never understood why somebody would get on a plane, travel 1,800 miles, get off, sit behind a desk, and be nasty. I never understood the concept. So, A, if you're going to be here, then act like a gentleman, right? I mean, let's do it. Number two, number two, I've gotten asked a question. Todd, what's the goofiest question somebody's asked you? You know, you got, you know, especially people don't know conventions, right? Oh, you know, you got those Trekkie fans or whatever else. Let me tell you, here's my opinion. I have never had a stupid question asked me. You know why? 
Because if it's important enough for a fan to ask, it's important enough for me to ask, right? It may not be important to everybody else in line, but it's important enough for that person. And that person, every person that's in line for me has at some point given me some of their hard-earned money. And they put food on the table for my family. So at no time will I ever disrespect anybody that's in my life. I've had people go, Todd, why do you thank them? What do I thank them? They, 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 they give me a living, they give me a career. So why, why do I act like I do? Because I'm, I'm, I am grateful every day. What are you talking about? And how hard is it to sit behind the desk and have people stand in line and say nothing but nice things to you? Right? People always go, Todd, how's your show going? Of course every show goes good. It's a false positive. Your enemies don't get in line, right? They'll just send you emails later, right? So, I don't, I like, pop culture, it used to be convention, but now it's pop culture. Pop culture gets big, we all win. Because now, where I used to be an odd kid growing up, because like, oh, I caught the comic book, and there was like, ugh. And now we're okay, we're normal. As a matter of fact, we may even be the majority, God bless us. So, you know, I hope we take over the world, right? I just saw your mayor yesterday. I was with your mayor. That dude's a nerd. <laughs> I thought I was gonna get some buttoned up guy and he was gonna say a couple of things on a prepared skin and he started talking to go, Wow, this guy's the real deal, right? I'm just going, now can he talk about budgets? I don't know. <laughs> Alright, over here, yes. Well just get away from the sports thing. I know you were part of the Edmonton Orders way back when. Correct. And you designed the alternative jersey. Have right. you done anything with them? Yeah, I got a jersey actually. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you done anything with them or the Oilers recently? Yeah. No, no, no. That was the fun that I had, right? That we that you know I was in Phoenix. Every other owner at that point was in Edmonton. Yeah. Um thirty seven Yeah, yeah. And so I was I was with somebody and I got involved because somebody happened to come, one of my family members came from Edmonton, they brought one of the Edmonton sons that had the clock that said that Edmonton had 60 days to come up with this much fun. Yeah. I happened to be the last guy in the, you know, they needed a few extra dollars. I took it across the, the goalpost there. We, we, we got the team. But I saw some of the early designs on it and it was like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> I mean, it was goofy, silly, yeah. stupid jersey, right? Even the Coyotes had one. It had geckos, I don't know if you ever saw it, it had geckos and it had cactuses on it. Yeah. What hockey fan, what sports fan in Brooklyn gets up in the morning and goes, I need me a jersey with cactus and geckos on it. Who's that, right? <laughs> so I wanted to design something that even if you knew nothing about sports, even if you knew nothing about hockey, you could still look at it and go, I don't know what it is, but that's pretty rad. And you still put it on and walk down the street with it. That's it. That's how, that's how simple I think logos should be, that quick, right? And they don't have to have hockey sticks, and they don't have to have baseball bats, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just logo. You see a horse in an oval, that's four. What's a horse got to do with the word four? It's just the logo now. So. Yeah. Oh, it's in this. I remember when it was well received. Yeah, it was it was a best selling third jersey for about a year set record, right? Yeah. So yeah. God bless Edmonton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Good. Yesterday you met my uh, friend in the spawn costume at yes, the Expo Parade. Correct, I did. He then went on to wait three hours in line to get autographs from you. Right. Uh, what is your thoughts on inspiring that kind of I guess I guess adoration from fans that they're willing to go to that length to see you, to design those kind of costumes, to see you. Yeah, uh, intellectually it's still odd, right? Because I, I'm i underwhelmed with myself, right? My, my family members keep me grounded, right? It's just you, know, you come to my house, you would never know what I do for a living, right? It's like, 
Yeah, he does cheap plastic goods and does a little fun, silly doodles and stuff. Um, here's all I would say about it. I, I, I looked at other artists and other creative people, and they inspired me. They, they had no idea they did, right? Because I would never meet them. I never met them. Just from a distance, their art inspired me. And I went, oh, that'd be cool. Maybe I can do that, right? So if there's any domino effect that happens, right? I mean, I'm going to give a speech here pretty soon. And maybe five people, I might, the message might, might resonate with them. And then they go on, and they become the next sort of people in whatever topic or genre they choose to go into career and they do something and then eventually they will inspire right so this thing's been going on forever ever since anybody got the first job or the first piece of art it's been going on right i was inspired by them if i could do it like a proud papa go do it i hope you're twice as good as i am right and go out and make me look like a fool i'll, I'll be the first one to congratulate you so i i it's, it's an odd thing to hear it but i'm going yeah I would have said the exact same thing when I was 16 and I was standing in line. I was saying the exact same thing. So. All right. Yes, sir. Hey, Todd. Uh, Jason with Gate Calgary. I'm an, yeah. I'm an eighth grad as well. Oh, Aberhart. That's where I went to. We're in yeah. Aberhart. Yeah. And so when I was in high school, it was a big deal that you'd gone there. Uh, Calgary is known for uh, yourself, for wrestlers, for musicians who become famous. And oil. And oil. But what are your thoughts on like art in general coming out of Calgary and, and how uh, it's spawned, for lack of a better word, so many people that are now working in different industries uh, of art? Well, let me, let me just talk to you about art from, from my perspective, right? I, I love comics, right? It's where, it's where I started my career. But art, to me, is a big word, right? And, and, and so... To me, when, I, when I'm doing toys, you know, that's its own art. When I'm doing TV and movies, those, those are their own. If you're doing like a music video, it has, because each one of these art bu buckets has their own set of rules. My goal is to not get married to any of the rules or, and or the buckets. It's to just continue to be around art. So if tomorrow, 10 years from now, they said that the way people are consuming the majority of their art is by looking at the images on the side of blimps. I would figure out how to get my art on the side of blimps, right? So, so I, this is where again the the dinosaurs come in, right? They just think that what, whatever they're doing at the moment is is the best that will ever be. And anybody that tries to do something different is just like those young whippersnappers, right? I will never be the old man that looks at the youth and goes, those young, lazy millennials. I won't be that person, right? Because that conversation's been going on for a million years, right? It's, look, at we, we listen to rock and roll. We were the devil's children, right? So it's, it's, always, it's always been going on. So I, my thing is to, is, to, is to get to the youth. I mean, I, I like the youth better. I see some older people here. I like the youth way better, right? Because what old people have a tendency to do is stick to, to status quo. And I think that the youth are just naive enough, innocent enough to just go, I'm going to try something new. Whether it's in medicine, whether it's in politics, whether it's in art, they'll try something new. Here's my frustration. The whole time I was doing Spider-Man and I was changing Spider-Man that made my career, right? That's why I'm arguably standing here today. They fought me. They fought me every second. Don't. 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 And, the, and eventually, the sales beat them up, right? I just go, you don't have to like me. We're selling more than anybody else in the country. Here's the frustration. 
that once I left, I, my style became the status quo. The style of Spider-Man is now based on mine that they fought saying, don't do. And my, my frustration is, why wouldn't you let the next 20-year-old come along and go, screw McFarland style, let me come up with my own because it might be 10 new things. Why, why do we want to protect status quo so much, right? And that's why I like the youth. They're just crazy enough to just go, no, mom, dad, I'm not going to do it. So, yeah. Uh, Image Comics and Spawn is 25 years old. 25 years. older than me. Oh. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just so we're, we're clear, there's Marvel and there's DC. Everybody's heard of them. If anybody asked a follow-up, I wonder what the third biggest company is. That's us for 25 years. For 25, We do 65 to 70 books a month. And, and we've been rocking it ever since. We're very eclectic now. So we're a company now that once you get past your 13-year-old food habits of going, I need to have 50 superhero comic books. i got to read a month. And you get a little bit older. Because you get older, your music changes, your, your wardrobe changes, the taste of everything in the world changes. Even your reading habits of comic book, and you need just a little bit of variety in your diet of comics. That's us, right? So we've got 17 of our properties have now been licensed by Hollywood. We've got the big home run, Walking Dead, that we published 10 years before it ever came out, right? So we're maybe five percent of our books are spandex. The rest of them are just cool story stuff. So we're the alternative as you get your age, right? Because again, I got that point where I got. I can't read 50 superhero comic books a month and nothing else in my in my diet. I just I need I need something more. I'm getting older. So. I don't know if that was your question, but my question was actually with the, the diversity international people you're hiring, younger people. Yeah. Um, who are some big names that you might recommend watching in the future? Uh, wow. I I I. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw those up because I always think that the next one hasn't been discovered yet. They're sitting in this crowd maybe tonight, right? Tomorrow when, when we go do the one with Stan. So we have. I mean, I, it's interesting that when we try to hire uh, an image, we, the original founders, we don't use ourselves as the example because it's too easy to go. Ah, it was a different time top, right? We use the Brian K. Blunt and. And, and Robert Kirkman, obviously the big one, he had lightning in the bottle, he's the creator of Walking Dead. He's the guy that I go, look at. We did it, 10 years go by, Kirkman does it, right? Five years go by, Brian does it with Shag and Fiona, right? She's the artist, Fiona, God bless her, we like Canadian. Uh, and, and they've gone, so there's, to me there's always the next, the next one, it's like sports, we're just like sports, there's always gonna be the new kid coming along is going to be faster, stronger, better than the rest. So, yes ma'am, in the back. Uh, I'm, I'm Alex, so I'm going to go early. Oh. I just wanted to see if we have five minutes until we should get you back stage. Just always a killjoy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true. Uh, yeah, yes sir. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I was going to hold some stuff, but you know what? We're here in Calgary. Probably by the end of this talk here, I'll make an announcement. Yeah, nice. So we'll, 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 we'll say something. We'll give Calgary the exclusive, right? Why not? So, yeah. Okay, so let's go back. 90s. You have a, you hope, sorry, Jeremy Hudson, Nervasters, from here, I'm right. Uh, you go back 25 years ago, you're a general in this revolution that changed kind of comic books. We're selling millions of issues. Correct. Money's being made, but now the industry's not there where it used to be. 
Right. Where do you see the industry going like 10 years? How do you keep on pressure going? How do you get? Uh, here's what I know. So let's define what comic books are. Comic books are words and pictures combined, right? That combination will never disappear. What may disappear, arguably, is the delivery mechanism of it, right? If everybody then says, I want comic books digitally or I want them sent to my watch, they'll go. They'll, but they'll still be comics. So comic books aren't going anymore, right? But here's the thing that's weird. When, when comic books went digital, we were one of the last ones to adapt, right? Because music went there and, and TV and movie downloads. We were one of the last ones. All the retailers were really in fear, right? Because they thought that the moment we unleashed digital comic books, that was the end of their stores. Quite the contrary happened. It has now expanded and allowed people who otherwise wouldn't get comic books, living up in the sticks in the middle of no place in Montana, that now go, wow, that's cool, and oh, by the way, I want to go get the trade paperback of it, or I want to go get the collection, I want to have a copy of that, and it's now increasing that. There were, you're right, 1992-93 was the, the height of comic books. It then crashed, and then it went down to flatline. But in the, Image Comics, I don't know about Marvel and DC, but I assume the industry as a whole, Image Comics in the last two years have had our best years in the last 15. We are, we are, on, we are on an uptick right now. So it's just, it, you, it's just, I don't think you're gonna see, sort of like TV now, where one TV show is getting 100 million people. You're gonna have TV now spread out so many channels, so many different ways, but it, there's not less people watching it. TV programs, they're just scattered a little bit more. So we're going to be okay. Right, I, I have full confidence. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, Dan from Northern Network. Big bad Dan's in the house, everybody. Uh, just an honor to be here today. Oh, thank you. Uh, when you started Image Comics uh, and you went up against Marvel and DC, right? And just the whole owner creator like thing. Why was that important to you? Okay, so here's what we won against the giant. Yeah. We won against the giant. I mean, later with my toy company, I went against Hasbro and Mattel. Here, here's, here's why it was important, at least for me, but even more so. There's only two things I wanted to do, for me personally. You can ask my other partners why they went. For me, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to be, it's immature, and it's like, what do you mean? You, you, just, you think you got all the answers, Todd? At that age, yes, I did, right? Like, or at least I knew creatively what I wanted to do. But more importantly, and the thing I'm way more proud of, is that we needed to create an option. An option that said, if Marvel and DC don't want you, there's, there's some other place. So, just so we are clear, the deal at Image Comic Books is, although we are the third largest publisher, let's call it that, we own nothing. We own nothing. For 25 years, we own and we still own nothing. Not only do we offer the best comic book deal, I will argue with anybody that we own, we, we offer the best entertainment deal on the planet right now. You come, you bring me your book, we take a fixed flat fee, not a commission, a fixed flat fee to do all the accounting and the printing and the delivery, all the boring stuff that an artist doesn't want to be involved in. We get that little sliver off the top and everything else is yours. So if you sell 5,000, you get this much. And if you sell 105,000, you get this much. And if you sell a million, we shouldn't prosper because you did something that was spectacular. And you get to take it to Hollywood and you get to do it. So why do I think 
images thriving after 25 years? Because they can't be there. I mean, in the, in the creative community is waking up. There are people that are doing books at Batman at DC, or whatever, I'm using an example, selling this much, and they come do a book for us, and sell this much, and they make more. They get all the freedom, they get all the ownership, and they make more money at this. Why? Because they're getting 100% of this, and they're getting 2% of that, right? It's, I, I don't know why everybody isn't doing a book for us at some point, right? So that, that's why Image will continue to go another 25 years, because people are gonna wanna own their own stuff, right? And we won't be like Apple, where we take 30% for every download, right? But that's not us. So. Uh, a couple more and then we got to get. Oh, one more we got to get. Yes, sir. Uh, Diamond Scoop and Diamond Galleries. Oh, so it's waiting for you to show up. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. Oh, good. A million people will be listening to this. Oh, there you go. Uh, good. What is the honest, actually, what happens you've done in your career to get where you were? I mean, obviously, you've done publishing, you've done a variety of things, but what haven't you done? Well, haven't I? What, what, haven't what, what itch do I need to scratch? I'll tell you right, I, and I'm hoping to scratch it here pretty soon. I, I want to direct the movie because it's just art. Again, it's just art, right? So, so I've done a lot of things. I mean, I directed some music videos and, and did some directing on on TV and stuff. I want to I want to do I want to do a movie, and and what, if I can do one and it works, then those offers will continue to come. Because why? It's just another art form to me, yes. right? And so it's a moving art. Yeah, I just, I just, I just, I'm curious, right? Again, it's not, it's not that I think that I'm smart enough to do any of it. I'm just a very curious artist. So I started as a penciler, and then I wanted to ink, and then I started to write, and then I go, I'll make my own toys, and then I started doing a little bit of direct, then, and then we'll go. I don't, I don't, I just, I just, I'm curious to dabble with art. Although I know it will eventually come full circle and I'll die doing a comic book in my room, right? I just, I know that's going to happen. So, but I'll have. I'll not have the pressure of worrying about sales at that point. I'll just be doing it because I just like having fun. Just like George Wilder, 92 years old, living in a senior's home, he had a two-bedroom apartment. He went to the didn't play big with the seniors, and he was still doing advertising at 92 years old. Right. I'll, I'll be that guy. Okay, I'm going to be a curmudgeon. I want to be like a 105-year-old curmudgeon, right? A, I want all my grand, great-grandkids to go, Grandpa, when are you going to die so we can get the inheritance? So that's where I'm going to live. And I have another goal. I want to outlive every one of my enemies. <laughs> just out of spite. To just go, you're dead, I'm not, I won. <laughs> and then I can die the next day. But I've got, I've got a handful, so I'm going to have to outlive a, a, a bunch of people. So, okay, one quick one, and then we're all, and then Al's going to pull me. Anybody, anybody? <laughs> Yes, last one. Just be good. Just All better right. be good. Okay. So, years yeah. ago, you said that, that you wanted Spawn to be as big as Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man. Why not? How close do you think you got, and could it happen with a character now? Uh, I, th I think there's still a lot of room still to go. I, I mean, we, we've, we've, made, we've made moves, but if I can get a couple movies out and get it a little more global, then, then you take a step closer to it, right? I mean, all, all those characters, remember, have anywhere between 30 to, to 50, 60 year head start, right? So if it's a race, they got a pretty good, they got a pretty good head start on me. And they've got billion dollar corporations backing them up. Here's the thing that's strange to me, right? People go, are you think you're gonna take down Marvel and DC? That's never been our goal, right? Here's what staggers me. How does DC comic books, that I see the sales, how does DC comic books, it's owned by Warner Brothers, Marvel's owned by Disney, 
These are billion dollar, billion dollar corporations with tens of thousands of people and nothing but energy behind them. How do they on some months only sell twice as many comic books as us who has a skeleton crew of people that don't own anything and we're just a bunch of goofs, right? Wow, either we're smarter than they are, I don't believe it, or they're not getting a good return for their money, right? Because they are putting in this much to get this, and we're putting in this much to get this. I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm staggered that they only get those, those, those sales, given that they've got billion dollars back in my But God bless it. So, awesome. all right, thank you for showing up. I thank you. All right. Um, I think that's it. Uh, OUT, Keith, one more time. Tell everybody about your stuff here as our special guest, and then let's not have you on for at least another year. Sounds good. Right after next expo, then. Uh, <laughs> maybe two years. You can, <laughs> yeah. Like the so it's like like the Olympics then. Oh, yeah. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Four yeah. years like the so Olympics. It's really special. Um, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Geek Minimalist. Uh, my website is ilikehelping.com, uh, Minimalism in a Nerdy World. And uh, you can follow that at I Like Helping Web on Twitter. And I do, Like Helping do those, Web. Do those, seems... Well, the other one was taken. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I Like Helping Web. <laughs> All right, well, that's, that's it. We're OUT. Yeah.